0: Might be hearing a ringing in the background. That's um, the team seems like they're working on on that. So please just bear with us. Um, keep going. Um I just want to say, like you know, a warm welcome. You know, if you're here visiting us for the for the first time, this I guess you're. You've come into a, a situation in which, we as a church family, are in a moment of of feeling, in a moment of of grief and 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 sadness, and because Celine, as has been shared, was was a wonderful sister of of big encouragement, uh, a, probably one of the most authentic believers I've ever I've ever known. I the the last conversation I was reflecting on the last conversation I had with her was I was walking to and fro from the car last Sunday at the end of the service and I was walking back in and she just looked at me. She's like, Tim, what's what's, on your, what's what's on your focus right now? You know, I had this, I must have had this mixed gaze about me and I was saying to her, well, um, obviously uh, the baby's on the way. Um, I've got a focus for us, the life of the church and, and and for my work situation as well, trying to balance all these things off. And we were just having a conversation about it, just very briefly and we said goodbye, and I turned, and she she stopped me, and she said, no, Tim, let me, can I just pray for you? Can I just, a five-second prayer, Tim, a five-second prayer. And she prayed for me. That's the sort of person she was, where she'd be like, I just want a, a five-second prayer. Let's just offer this up. You know, such a authentic Christian, you know, believer. I think as Ruth brought that, that psalm to us, I think I want to encourage, you know, that Jesus said, blessed are those who mourn. They'll be comforted. You know, he doesn't abandon us in our grief. Instead, he meets with us. He comforts us. So I just want to pray for us. Lord, I just pray that you would, as Ruth brought that psalm, your the the feathers of your wings would surround us. And you bring comfort, Lord, where comfort is needed. Lord, you bring us hope and joy. And celebration, as Dave said, as we celebrate. Um, We know there's still time, Lord, for you to work a miracle. But, Lord, we just want to celebrate her life anyway, as it's good to do. Lord, we just thank you for her. And, Lord, we just pray that you would surround us with your grace, surround us with your love, comfort us at this time. Amen. Your water bottle now. That's mine. This might be a um, the last message that you sort of hear from me for a, for a, a little while. On Friday, um, Emma is going to be induced, and um, and then you may not see much of us um, or hear from us over the next couple of weeks as we just, I guess, get used to parenting. So please do keep us in your prayers and. Um, and I guess probably the next time you see us will probably look more tired um, as what's going on. But during this time, you know, uh, Matt and Carney are going to be around. Matt's currently away, and Carney's serving in the prison ministries this morning. And it's really great that um, that Dave has come to uh, his 12 months of compassionate leave, come to an end, and he's going to be joining back in with us as a team. Um, such a, a critical time, you know, as this is wonderful. And we also know that, you know, there's, there's big questions for us as a church in terms of the future leadership of where we're, where we're heading. And just want to encourage you that whilst we've been a bit quiet on it, stuff is happening in the background, okay? Conversations have been happening in the background. And over the next couple of weeks in early October, we, we hope to be able to provide an update to us as a church just about with some clarity as to how things have, have progressed. So please do keep us in your prayers as an eldership team well please thank you so I work for Surrey County Council uh, four days out of the week and uh, this week I had uh, a meeting with my team we have a a bi-monthly meeting and this one was in person so we're in Leatherhead and we had our early morning prayer meeting and I logged on and I saw that the traffic was gonna be pretty bad so I thought you know what I'm gonna work from home for a little bit and I'm gonna drive when traffic eases up and so then in the morning, once it had, I headed off to my meeting, and I got there about quarter to ten for a ten o'clock start, park up in the public park park, walk up to the meeting, and we, we have our meeting, and I'm asking my team, and it's all good, so praise be to God, my team are doing okay, that's always nice, um, and I was, and at the end of the meeting, after we'd been working around different, sort of how different people were doing, what's going on with their projects, I, I let out this little proclamation the team I went oh no I've had a mare and uh, then immediately like little shocks and wonders were going on be like what's happened Tim they're looking worried and we've been meeting for an hour and a half already and I say I've forgotten to put a ticket on the car I know exactly exactly and I thought that is an expensive mistake that is an expensive mistake so I um quickly get up. They're like, run Tim, run, run there. So I get up and I and I head down. I've got one of those passes and some of those doors that you know they sort of like pass and you have to wait for it to open up. These days I have to wait for a little bit longer for it to open up before I can try and squeeze through. Um and and, and I head down out the reception and I and I jog and I'm jogging. I'm like, I don't know what this, it's gonna feel like there's a moment where you're gonna see the sort of the parking attendant get out there their sort of machine and just be starting to put my number in. I'm like, wait, no, I'm here, I'm here, I'm here. And so I'm running and I turn the corner into the car park, and the first car I see, do you know what I see on their windscreen? I see a ticket. And I'm like, oh no, no. And I know that I reversed in, so I'm like, I'm gonna see it in just a moment. I'm gonna see this ticket. And I and I jog past the corner and I see my car and there's no ticket there on the windscreen. But absolutely, Sylvia, I'm just like, wow. And so I'm like, I don't, you know, sometimes I feel a bit cynical in my young age. So I'm like, I've got to get to my car, I'm gonna walk around it just to make sure they haven't just tried to sneak it on the back window or something like that. And I'm like, there's no ticket on the car, and I'm like, wow, thank you, Lord, for for that. And and I'm saying a little prayer of thanks. But a ticket would have been very justified. You know, I parked up for an hour and a half at this point, and I've forgotten to pay for my parking. It's a mistake that I had made. And for whatever reason, one car had one, and my car didn't. Feel Sorry for them. But I was thinking they might have been here, you know, many, many more hours than, 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 than mine. And it would have been right for me to pay a ticket, pay, pay a penalty charge for that. But I didn't have to. And today we're, we're launching a new series where we're going to be exploring over this next term the grace of God. You know, the grace of God. Um, as, we, as Dave was sharing, as, we kind of, as we've been doing over the beginning of September, feeling this sense of wanting to bring encouragement with us in terms of our witness of faith, And we want to be encouraged because, you know, one of the things that we have as Christians is the grace of God. But What does that mean? What does that mean? So we're going to be launching a series. We're going to be exploring the unmerited, undeserved, unearned favor of God in our lives. The grace that he has for us. It's amazing grace. A wonderful song, you know, that speaks of that. And we're going to be exploring topics such as um, righteousness, as salvation, as the... Uh, unchanging nature of God uh, through through the lens of grace. So this next season, we're going to be looking at a lot of topics in terms of our belief through the lens of grace. And we're going to today just look at that really simple question, well, what's so amazing about grace? So hopefully, you know, if it was a lesson plan, we'd be saying that at the end of this, by the time you hopefully leave here, um, if someone's to say, well, why do you believe? You'd be saying, well, I believe because of the grace that God has for me. And they say, well, what's so amazing about this grace? And you would say, this is. This is what's so amazing about this grace that God has for me. So let's pray, and then we'll look at this together. Lord, I just pray that we would capture your heart and your. Um, Lord, that we'd have a heart knowledge and a head knowledge and and an understanding of your grace for us. Lord, how much you love us, how much you care for us, what you've done for us. Lord, help us to to grasp this, Lord, so that we might share this with others, so that we might be able to say this is the wonder and the grace of my Lord and my Savior. Lord, I pray that as we unpack some of this, this morning, you would just give us ears to hear and hearts to receive afresh today. Amen. Amen. So before we look at this, this main story that we're going to be centering in, I want to just remind us um, and to kickstart us really with two sections of verses. The first one is Romans 3, 22 to 24. If you have your Bibles, welcome to turn to it. We're going to be looking at a, a more detailed passage in a moment, but this is... Romans 3:22-24 It says there is no difference between Jew and Gentile for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus Here is our takeaway point this grace is undeserved this grace that we have is undeserved we do not deserve to be freely justified freely be called right to God's standards as we've all made mistakes and we've all fallen short, that's what it says but only through the redemption of Christ Jesus can we uh, come to know God can we experience the grace of God, so first one is just, it's just undeserved these are just like little snippets just to frame things undeserved, secondly if you want to turn to Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 just a a few books further on It says this is, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. So here's another takeaway point. It is unearned. It means that across all of your life, even in the knowledge that we make mistakes, all of our good does not outweigh all of our bad. There's not a scale tipping point to say, well, as long as I'm in the green, it's okay. Is unearned. This grace is unearned. There's nothing that we can do that means that we deserve it, entitlement towards it, or there's nothing to say that we have earned it for ourselves. Grace is the unearned, undeserved favor of God in our lives. So As we look at this whole series, I just want us to grasp, to hold those truths in our heads as we go through. And we're going to look at the story of the lost son in Luke 15. Um, Mike Gilson looked at this parable uh, that Jesus told during our parable stories to live by series that we did in the spring. And we're going to have a look at this story of the relationship primarily between the father and and the youngest son. Okay, primarily between the father and the youngest son. And, And some of us may have heard this and be familiar with this story. Some of you may have never heard this story. What I want us to encourage us to do is to be prepared and have hearts to look at it afresh for the first time. Okay, it's so easy sometimes with these stories that might be well known within the Christian faith just to think, oh, I know this. Oh, I know this. But let's just allow ourselves to take a pause moment to say, actually, I'm going to read this afresh. Let God speak to me and minister to me afresh as we go through this story. And the context is that Jesus is sat Amongst an audience where there's tax collectors, there are sinners, those described as living um, ungodly lives, and there's the Pharisees, these teachers of the law, those who believe themselves to be righteous. And Jesus, this is the hat trick story of three that he tells on the bounce about God's heart for the lost, okay, his love for the lost. This is the hat trick story where he's been working through in terms of a hundred. 99 to 1, 9 to 1, and now it's out of two of his boys, his care for us. And so straight from the off, Jesus is painting this picture of the father as God and the younger son as us, okay, because we all wander away. And I want us to look at this story, we're going to look at this story through the the lens of grace, okay, through the lens of grace as we go through this. Luke 15, 11 to 32. We're going to read all of it. Um, once through, then we're going to read some, focus on some sections. We're not really going to center in on those last verses at the end of this because that's really around the older brother. There's a lot of grace in that moment as well. But really just with the time we have, we're just going to center on the encounter between the younger son and the father. And at the end of this, we're going to have a time of communion together. Okay. Let's read. There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the inheritance, or of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything there, there was a severe famine in that whole country. so they began to celebrate meanwhile the older son was in the field when he came near the house he heard music and dancing so he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on your brother has come he replied and your father has killed a fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound the older brother became angry and refused to go in so his father went out and pleaded with him But he answered his father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes come home, you killed the fattened calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me. and Everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate. And be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. What a powerful story that is, right? What a powerful story this is. And we're going to we're gonna just unpack it. We're going to gonna read through some different sections, make sure that we kind of just get what's going on. So we're just going to reread 11 to 12. These first opening verses, it says, Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. How do you get an inheritance? How do you get an inheritance? You get an inheritance when someone dies and they leave you something. This young son goes to his very much healthy, very much alive father and says, I want my share of what's owed to me if you were dead. It's not too far of a stretch to say he's effectively saying, I wish you were dead, so that I could have my share. If you're a parent, sorry, mm, don't know if that's made it worse. Sorry about that. How's that made it? Reeves, could you get some batteries in this one? And then maybe that one would be better. Hmm. We're going to push on past this annoying ringing. Okay, we're going to be in faith that uh, that God's bringing us something. and These distractions are not going to. We're just going to do little tests. Just shuffles across the room. No, just we're going to we're going to persevere, church. This is what we're going to do. If you're a parent in here, if you're, a, but we're all children. What do you think it'd be like going to your parents or your child coming to you saying I want my share now I want my share now I see some little easy conversations perhaps at the back of the room but it's outrageous it's outrageous it's it's hurtful it's saddening imagine imagine that I mean I'm kind of thinking like the little one on the way being like well tell them where to go quite quickly um in this but you know what there's there's a first moment of grace that appears here is that the father grants it the father grants it the father could the this story could have been ended after two verses where Jesus says the father told him to clear off and kicked him out of the estate but the father grants it the father he gives him his freedom and, and this word that's used in terms of wealth in terms of the property in terms of the estate is it's it, it's rooted in this word around life. Almost this sense of that the father gave of his life to his son. That he gave of his life works to his son. I wonder if it starts up again. Oh. Praise be to God. Praise be to God. Praise be to God. One. One. Can I use one of these? I think it might be the radio. So we don't know what's going on here. Anyway, we're going to persevere as best as we can. The son gets granted his freedom. That's the first thing that we see. We move on. Verse 13. So not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. He's off. He's got his taste of freedom, money in his pocket. And what does he do? He heads off to a distant land. He goes on the extended gap year experience, okay? And he decides what does he decides to do. He decides it. He's going to just spend all this wealth that he has, this this life money, as it were, of his father, and he squanders it. So I said he wastes it. He. This is not a sense of he's invested it in some shares that have gone badly because he was hoping to get a generate a return on them. This is him spending it. Wastefully, ex- uh, excessively, uncontrollably—you know—the impression that we get here is that it's probably spent on wasteful parties, meaningless sex, um, extravagant eating, showing off. Ultimately, nothing of any substance that is worth to sh- has anything to show for. Father, I wish you were dead. So I can have my inheritance and have everything that you've worked for. And how I'm going to honor that is I'm going to just spend it on absolutely nothing. Absolutely nothing. And we continue. Verse 14, 16. After he spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country. And he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. I reckon this is the first time that the realities of life come home for this young man. Up until this point in time, he has lived under the protection, uh, under the provision of his father, and now the realities have come home. It's like that moment of um, never experienced this, but I guess a university student going off to university and finding, ah, the washing doesn't just miraculously happen, or the the uh, the washing up. I thought we just put stuff here and s- somehow something happens here. Or <laughs> you know, where's my dinner? You know, all those sorts of things. The, the realities of life come home for him where he doesn't have enough. He has spent it. He spent it wastefully. And his lifestyle has to change. This freedom that he had before under the umbrella of his father's protection and provision changes where he now has gone from being free to being into servitude because he goes and works for a foreigner. Uh, And he's at the mercy and the generosity of the community and all of his his inheritance that he's built up in terms of the the excessive spending, the excessive um, waste of his money. the the friends, where are they? Where are they? When he's in need, where are they in this moment? They're not there. There's no substance to what he has done. His new community is not there for him. He has just built up emptiness. And to Jesus' listeners, this would have been an absolutely devastating trajectory for them to hear uh, about, you know, going from describing what he said to his father to then going to a foreign land to working for a foreigner um, to tending pigs all of that is a one-way trajectory to the bottom of societal standards and he is in the very bottom of the pit and I was researching jobs that we might understand in today's culture um, as being maybe at the bottom of the pit and then I thought oh have to be careful here Tim Imagine if you just say, "Oh, what well, this job?" And someone's like, "That's my job." What do you mean that's at the bottom of the, the pit? But I think I'm pretty safe with this one. I came across, I came across this this an article from 2009 that said, "Thought Park, a theme park that's um, just a few miles away from where we are." In in 2009, they hired a vomit collector. Exactly, that's right. That's the attitude that we're looking for. Let's understand this. They had experience. 619 instances of, of rides being impacted by sick and having to be closed down by sick. And so they thought, we're going to hire a vomit collector. And they estimated, just keep going with these, they estimated that they, they collected a 150 litres worth of vomit. Imagine that's your job at the end of the ride. People get off, going up and down, up and down, spin, spin, spin. Whoa. Your job is to go and collect that, to wipe it up. This is the trajectory that we're talking about. You've gone from being, say, um, part of a wealthy, you know, landowner, son of a landowner, to cleaning up other people's vomit. This is the trajectory of life. Apologies if you work in doing that sort of stuff currently. But you're at rock bottom, okay? You're at rock bottom. There's more for you in life, okay? There's more for you. And where do you turn when you hit rock bottom? Where do you go? He has this moment of realization, and he comes to his senses. My father's servants don't live like this. They're servants. I'm a servant now, but my quality of life would be better in my father's house than it is right now. I'm going to go and apologize to him and see if I can just work for him. And now we're going to see the full flow of this image of of grace in through the Father, and let's notice this is a reflection of the Father, our Father in Heaven's grace towards us. Okay, and it's important before we look at it it's just for us to recognise that we are like the younger son. Okay, this is a picture that's being painted that all of us have walked away, and and have been drawn back to the Father. We've all fallen short. We've all made mistakes. We've all been wasteful with the freedoms that we've been given. And yet we're going to see how the father responds into us. Okay? And there's nothing we can do. There's nothing that this boy could do. All he could do was come back to his father and just plead and plead. And we're going to see what he says. We're going to read 20 and 24 now. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off... His father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son threw his arms around him and kissed him. The father recognizes his son in the horizon, recognizes him on the distance. And the father runs to him. This is a wealthy landowner, the one who's been, the the last conversation they had was, I wish you were dead. And his father sees him. And does he go, well, I'm going to wait till he gets right here and I'm going to give him a piece of my mind? No, he runs to him. He would have had to lift up his outer garment and run. And, you know, this is a dignified person who would have become more undignified in just running to their boy. Running to their boy. And what does he do when he gets there? Does he punch him and say, you stupid boy? Do you know what, you know, last time? now he embraces him. He embraces him. And he kisses him and he holds him. And all of this has happened before the boy's even had a chance to say anything. Before he said anything, he's got what in his mind to say, but this happens before he says anything. Our father is a father who embraces us before we get a chance to say anything. Perhaps you need to know that this morning doesn't matter what you've said to him in the past he's a father who embraces he embraces and holds us and so we're going to look at five things in this firstly grace triumphs over our wrongdoings finish these off the son said to him father i've sinned against heaven against you i'm no longer worthy to be called your son But the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. First one is grace triumphs over our wrongdoings. The father instructs his servant to get a robe, not just any robe, the best robe. The best robe of the house. The son has returned. He is probably filthy, stinking. He's had no money for anything. He's probably in just rags. And this, he is a walking physical image of his wild living. That's his appearance. A physical image of that. This robe is probably set for the, for the eldest son but it's given to the youngest one. We receive our big brother Jesus' best robe, his righteous robe that we receive in exchange for our filthy rags. We are clean. God's grace triumphs over our wrongdoings. There's nothing you have done that can't be covered by the precious robe of Jesus. Race triumphs over shame. The father says to his servants, put a ring on his finger. The son came back with his own plan. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Please just make me a servant, one of your hired hands. There is shame, there is regrets over his actions, over what's happened in the past. And what does the father do? He says. Get my son a ring. Give him a a symbol of the status of sonship in this house. Grace triumphs over shame. Even in light of what we've done, we are not relegated to servants who must buy their freedom. We are adopted into his family and we are called sons and daughters. Sons and daughters of God. Grace triumphs over unworthiness. The father gets him a pair of sandals. God is lavish towards us in his grace for us. It is lavish, it is ongoing, it is a continuation towards us. In Psalm 23, it says, Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in your house forever. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me will follow me all the days of my life. Even though we've wasted his inheritance, there is more from him, the father, for us. Our father isn't a father of mediocrity. He isn't a father of the bare minimum. He isn't a father who says, I will cover their sins and call them sons and daughters. But that is it. He is the father who lavishes his grace upon us. He lavishes his grace upon us. He is generous. His grace triumphs over our unworthiness where we might disqualify ourselves over his ongoing continuous generosity or love or grace or kindness, mercy, his provision, his uh, comfort, his peace, his answers to prayers. We might say, I'm not worthy of those. And he says, you are worthy. My grace triumphs over your feelings of unworthiness. The son gets the sandals and we get the continuation of the beautiful, bountiful, extravagant generosity of the father. That's what we get. Grace triumphs over death. The father sacrifices a fattened calf. This would have been a a calf that would have been able to roam for a couple of years in the pastures. And then would have been penned in. I would have been fed grain or something to fatten it up. You know, the reverse, going to getting a gym membership, okay? We don't want you to be lean. We want you to be nice and plump. So we're going to stick you inside a room, going to fatten you up. This is, um, this. we're not seeing this in terms of it's written down as a, as a spiritual offering, but it's an image of a spiritual offering or of a sacrifice that is given, where the father offers his prepared sacrifice. At those times, animal sacrifices were the way to atone for sinfulness. That the um, you know the blood of the animal is exchanged in, in for our blood. The animal pays the price for our sin instead of us having to pay the price for our sin, which is death. The son doesn't have to bring the offering. the father brings the offering. The father brings the offering in Galatians four four to seven it says but when he but when the time had fully come, God sent his son born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption to sonship, because you are his sons. God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out, Abba, Father, so you're no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has also made you an heir. At the right time in the history of this world, the the fattened calf of Jesus that was being prepared was sent to be born of a woman so that it would be to be raised specifically for the sacrifice for us. The Father brings the offering for us. And we are called heirs. Our Father in heaven sent his Son to us. Grace triumphs over death because we no longer have to settle our own accounts. Jesus, the ultimate Sacrifice has settled our account for us. He's done it once and for all. And Grace triumphs over rejection. The father calls for a feast. This is not an internal family matter that is to be kept under wraps. This is a communal celebration. It is a community event. The grace of God is not ashamed of us to call us sons and daughters. He loves us. And he calls for a feast to celebrate the returning of the Son, the way he says he was lost and is found. He was dead and is now alive again. You know, we were once dead. But if we believe in Jesus, we are now alive again. And in the community of God, we celebrate life. We celebrate the returning from death to life. And we're all continued works in God. We're all kind of working out um you know how we want to try and honor him and, and live our best lives for him but he's not ashamed of us he celebrates us and so his grace triumphs over rejection it's not like, oh we don't talk about that young boy anymore that was do you know who that was oh that was that was the son who said this that and the other no it's a community of thing where it's like look community I've robed him I have put a ring on his finger I have clothed him in sandals of my provision. We are sacrificing a, uh, an animal, an offering, and we're going to have a feast to celebrate. He is totally and wholly back in the family. He is whole. His grace triumphs over rejection. Church, we find these verses in Psalm 103, verse 10. He says, he does not treat us as our sins deserve. Or repay us according to our sins. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. That as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our sins from us. So what's so amazing about this grace, about this unearned favor of God? People ask you, what's so amazing about it? What's amazing about it? Well, let me tell you. It triumphs over our wrongdoing. That we become, this grace means that we can become right before God. It triumphs over our shame, which means we are adopted. God looks at us and calls us sons and daughters. It triumphs over unworthiness because our God, the grace of our God, means that he is just a continuation of blessing upon blessing upon blessing in our lives. It triumphs over, uh, what's amazing about it is it triumphs over our death. That now we can, Exchange Jesus' death and sacrifice that we might have life and life everlasting. And it triumphs over rejection because we are found, accepted before him. loved before him. And the community of believers, we become one together in unity in spirit and truth as part of the vine. We're going to have a time of communion. We're going to come into this wonder, Robin, if you'd like to help get stuff ready in the team, um, help prepare to serve us just during this time. The thing I will touch on about the older brother in this is that the older brother, um, with the father, whose responsibility was it to go and find the younger son? Whose responsibility was it to go and find him? It would have been the older brother's responsibility to go and find his brother and call his brother home. And we don't know what, what actions he may or may not have done, the relationship there. We, we do know that maybe by inference that he knew his brother had spent his money on prostitutes. Maybe he would found something of it and said, I'm just going to leave you here. I don't know I'm speculating I'm speculating but you know in the mirror of this story of us embracing this younger son younger daughter view with the father our older brother is Jesus and do you know what he did he came and found us he came here he found us he gave us up his robe that before us and he sacrificed himself for us so that we wouldn't have to pay the price as the younger brothers for our sins, and so as we come into this time of communion, we look to Jesus. We remember what He had has done for us, that He, he came as the the sin offering, as the fattened calf to be sacrificed for us, and at the cross. His blood spilt out for us. So our blood doesn't have to. And when we take in the bread and in the the grape juice that we have here, we remind ourselves that we that his body was broken for us and was given up for us. And remind ourselves that his blood was spilt out for us so that ours doesn't have to be shed. And it's a reminder when we come to this table that we're able to remind ourselves that we are sons and daughters. We are adopted in the family. We are accepted. We are, um, word, you know, he has made us worthy. Nothing that we can do, but he has made us worthy and his kindness to us continues. And the other thing that we, we remember here is that there's a moment here where we remember that we are part of a big family. okay. All those who have taken communion before us through the generations since Jesus introduced this are all part of the vine. Are all part of the vine of, of him. And in a way there's a celebration that comes with this where we just reflect on what he has done. There's a feast where we know there's a, there's a feast going on in heaven you know, right now that celebrates what Jesus has done as the, the son who came to save us. So I want to pray for us. Then the team will just be serving us in the background. They'll just be leading us in time of worship. And then when you're ready, just come forward and receive. Receive this grace again. I'm just going to pray for us that if there are things that we kind of just need to resolve in our hearts before we come, I encourage you to do that. You know, we want to come to this table and say, Lord, you know, as as this young son said, I've I've sinned against you. And we find that we just still receive the grace from the table. Lord, we thank you that your grace is extravagant towards us. Your grace is lavish towards us. Lord, your grace triumphs over so many things. It triumphs over our wrongdoings. Lord, your grace covers us. Jesus covers us. Lord, it covers... Your your grace enables us to become sons and daughters. Your grace enables us to, to receive the continuation of your love in our lives. Lord, your grace meant that you sent your son to die for us so that we wouldn't have to pay that price. Lord, your grace means that we get to be accepted by you, accepted into the family, the believers, the community. Lord, we just pray that, Lord, you would reveal in our hearts this grace Lord let it be set aflame again let it be fanned into flame again Lord we long to see friends and family become brothers and sisters in you long to see them know these truths for themselves Lord we pray that this is an equipping day Lord that you would equip us in our hearts and our spirits and our minds that when someone says what do you well, what is it that you believe You'd be like well, we believe the grace of God and let me tell you what it is Lord we pray for this Lord that we would be able to be witnesses of you wherever we go. Lord, And we come into this time of communion, Lord, we want to celebrate what you've done for us. Be thankful for what you have done for us. Be reverent towards what you have done for us. And Lord, we just ask that you would, as you have done, Lord, wherever there's things in our lives that we need to bring to you, to say, Lord, will you cover these? Lord, we just pray that you would do that right now. Do it afresh, Lord. Wash us clean. Wash our feet again afresh, Lord. Lord, and let our hearts be stilled as we come towards you and your table. In Jesus' name, amen.